perfect for me to invite you to join us on Facebook Live inside uh, and say hi to Danny Hicks because it's time for this week's Sports and All. How are you? I'm all right, Phil, considering I got up at four o'clock this morning to watch Tottenham lose again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've really got to stop doing that. I was saying to you off air because every time I get up at stupid o'clock to watch them uh, play a midweek game, they tend to lose. And if I, if I don't set the alarm and stay in bed, I, I wake up to find they've won. So uh, maybe it's all my fault. But, uh, yeah, it was a big match last night. Tottenham won, Liverpool three. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how things change so quickly. A, a month, just over a month ago, mid-December, these two played at Anfield, and it was first v second right. in the table. When they played last night, it was fifth v sixth. Uh, both of them been on a, a shaky run. Liverpool hadn't scored a goal this year, but they put that to right last night. Um, first goal right on the stroke of half-time, Robert Firmino, and then uh, uh, one straight after half-time, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, Tottenham got one back through Hoiberg, but uh, Liverpool really in control all the way through. And, and of course, the headlines today will be, are Liverpool back in the title race? Well, to be honest, uh, to me, they've never been out of it because if you look at the table at the moment, mm-hmm. um, really, you can go all the way down to Everton is seventh. We've got two games in hand and say... All those teams are still in with a shout. Tottenham still have a game in hand. Man City are top on 41. Liverpool go. Uh, Liverpool entertain Man City next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play them and Tottenham play them the weekend after. So there's a huge amount of play for still up there. Man United, you know, were, were going great guns. And then they slip up midweek. Uh, absolute shocker of result, losing to the, the bottom club, Sheffield United. No one saw that coming. So I think there's a, there's a lot of twists and turns uh, left in this Premier League season. Liverpool now go to another London club, West Ham, uh, on Sunday. West Ham in fifth. Um, Do you reckon we're seeing these what you call slip-ups because of all the stuff that's yeah. going down? Or, or just well, it swings and roundabouts? Yeah, I think it's just one of those seasons where there's no real stand outside. It, it, you know, if I had to pick a team at the moment, you know, we're halfway through the season that's going to win the league. You've got to say Manchester City because they had a shaky start but they've just got better and better and better as the season's gone on. But every time a team's gone on a run this season, Liverpool mm-hmm. went top, Leicester went top for a while, Tottenham were top for a while, they slip again. And Manchester United were top for a while. We had a situation a couple of weeks ago where we had about four different teams top of the league in the same week. Yeah. You know, Leicester, Man United, uh, Everton at one point were top, uh, Chelsea have fallen away and they sacked their manager this week. So, you know, it's a real topsy-turvy time. But Well, you can hear what he's on about right now. I mean, love to hear your opinion. Sorry, Danny. Uh, join us on Facebook Live. Morning Brew is the page. Send us an email, morningbrew at rthk.hk. But Facebook's much more fun. Sorry, mate. Well, the, the great thing for all us football fans this season is it is so open, the race at the top. You know, this time last year, Liverpool would run away with it. Mm. And we were, to, we were to, everyone was talking about who's going to fill the Champions League places. But like I say, with this seven... Possibly eight teams if Chelsea get their act together with a chance of, of making a late run. We're only halfway through the season, so it's fascinating. But uh, a few talking points from the game last night. You know, are Liverpool back in the title race? I don't, as I say, I don't think they've ever been out of it, but they certainly are now. Are Spurs out of the title race? No, I don't think so, but I don't think they've ever been realistic contenders either. But they still have a game in hand, and, you know, funny things. Like I say, they've got Manchester City coming up, they've got Chelsea next week. Um, but. Big blow for Spurs last night. Harry Kane, their talisman, obviously, you know, he's leading, the, he's up there in the goal scoring charts and the assist charts this season. England captain. Um, 
did manage to do both ankles last night. I mean, quite incredible. We'll come on to that in a minute, what, what Jose Mourinho said about it. But um, for Liverpool, it was a much-needed sort of shot in the arm because they hadn't scored a goal this year in the Premier League and they'd gone out the cup uh, in a cracker, as we said last Sunday, to Manchester United 3-2. And um, Jurgen Klopp uh, was asked afterwards, what, what was the difference in that performance last night? Tonight, obviously, the main difference between this game and other games is that we score the goals, and that helps massively, not only for the results, but for the the, 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 the momentum in the game. So it's like you try and you try and you try, and you miss massive chances against Burnley, Divock alone. <laughs> you think, OK, great. Obviously, we have to wait a little bit longer, this kind of stuff. And tonight, we knocked the wall down. That's good. <laughs> they knocked the wall down. They did. I mean, they... they... They were good value for their win. Um, Tottenham had a goal disallowed early on through VAR again and so on. But, uh, you know, it might have been a different outcome. And had they held out to half-time, it really was the last kick of the game when Liverpool took the lead through Roberto Firmino. Had Spurs held, held out to half-time and not conceded again straight after the break, it may have been a different game. But it's all lift and butts and whatever, mm. isn't it? It's all up all. But, like I say, one of the big talking points and, and implications for England as well, because this is a Euros year, Euro 2020, now delayed to Euro 2021, and England won't want to be without Harry Kane, and Tottenham won't want to be out without Harry Kane. But uh, he, 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 he did his right ankle in the first half when he sort of went underneath uh, Thiago in a tackle and rolled his right ankle, and then in a, in a clash with Jordan Henderson, looked fairly innocuous, really, then turned his left ankle, and that um, looked even worse. And, uh, you know, you can probably, you probably hobble on on one ankle, but you can't hobble on on no ankles, even if you're <laughs> Harry Kane. And it's worrying because he's had this history of injuries and particularly ankle injuries. And uh, uh, Jose Mourinho, the Tottenham manager, was asked afterwards, uh, what does it mean for Harry's season now? Two injuries in both ankles, uh, the second one worse than the first one. And um, a few weeks, uh, how many? I don't know. You can't replace and uh, almost every team has this kind of players. And when it happens, it happens. But uh, I believe that... Uh, we have to fight against it, um, and that's it. We cannot do anything else. Yeah, got to fight against it, and uh, you know he's got he's got some resources there. Vinicius, who scored a lot of goals in the Europa League and, and, and cup competitions this season, League Cup, is there it, it, waiting in the wings, uh, a sort of good old-fashioned centre forward. And uh, of course, there is one uh, superstar in Gareth Bale on the bench. who only got ten minutes last night, and really ten minutes here and ten minutes there in the Premier League is not enough for him to get back his confidence and make an impression. But we all know how good Gareth Bale at his best can be. So maybe it's his chance to, you know, step up and, and step into Harry Kane's shoes and uh, show what he can do again with the ball for Tottenham. So there are some options there, but obviously a huge, huge blow for Tottenham. I think I think people listening and watching you right now are obviously Tottenham fans because nobody said anything on that, on that morning uh, group page. <laughs> where's Rick? Rick, Rick is actually Rick, Rich, United. former former boss of the Man United. I've actually said oh, it for yeah. real. Supporters Club here many years ago, back when Pontius was a pilot. Uh, he's busy today, but he did write in oh, to say busy. he's busy today. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, sorry to hear that because I did. Yeah. Anyway, he's probably busy because Manchester United lost to the bottom club midweek. I think that might have something down, to do with it because he know. did mention that. Anyway, oh, I'm doing my hair. Like is that the time? Yeah. Like I say, Liverpool from here, they go to West Ham and then uh, then they've got Brighton next week, uh, midweek, and then that massive home going to Man City. And uh, West Ham, um, it's been a, 
you wouldn't know there's a transfer window open at the moment because there's been virtually no action. I think that's a result of COVID and I think it's also probably a result of Brexit. And I think, um, you know, European players need work permits and things now to actually sign for clubs and, and maybe the football clubs just don't want to go through that red tape at the moment. Yeah. So there's been very few moves during the transfer window, but one uh, that was mooted last night and I think is going to happen, Jesse Lingard, the England striker who's out of favour at Manchester United, going to go to West Ham. So he could be facing Liverpool on Sunday. And it, it's strange, isn't it? I, I look back, at, I was at the World Cup, you know, uh, in 2018 in Russia and sort of uh, mainstays of the England side were players like Deli Ali and Jesse Ing Lingard, both gone off the ball, both become anonymous for their clubs, Tottenham and Manchester United this season. And maybe a move to West Ham, even on loan to the end of the season, would do Jesse Lingard some good and and put him back in the England fray. He's undoubtedly a talented player, but mm. uh, just seems to have lost his way, like Deli Ali has for Spurs. They're probably talking points for another another day. But uh, looking ahead to tomorrow and the weekend, we've got some uh, interesting matches coming up, as usual. I mean, not least, uh, we kick off tomorrow with Everton against Newcastle. Newcastle on their worst run in God knows how many years. I mean, how long, much longer can Steve Bruce last as, as manager there? They're sliding down the table. They're just two places above the relegation zone there. Um, lost 11 games this season. Only West Brom and Sheffield United have lost more games than Newcastle this season, and uh, it's not looking good up there. And I know that I know quite a few Newcastle fans, personal friends of mine, who are not happy at the moment. <laughs> they never and um, they're not certainly not happy with Steve Bruce, and I think he's on borrowed time there. But uh, who do you get in to replace him? Well, Frank Lampard is available now, having been sacked by Chelsea this week. Uh, uh, quite unbelievably, Wait, really. I mean, he you're smiling as you say that. You're supposed legend, to be unbiased. But, yeah, but you know, we, you know, club legend and all the rest of it. In Frank, we trust the Chelsea fans love him. But, yeah. Uh, the management down what they're down to eighth, ninth in the league, and uh, the, man, the 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 powers that be, i.e. Roman Abramovich, the owner, had enough, and they've got Thomas Tuchel in, who was sacked by PSG last month. Um, having taken them to the Champions League final last summer. You know, how, how fickle a game is football? You know, you take PSG to the Champions League final for the first time in their history mm. and then you get sacked. But then you pitch up at Chelsea the next month. And who's, a, who's the manager at PSG now? Maurizio Pochettino, sacked by Spurs last <laughs> season after taking them to the Champions League final. So, you know, as Jimmy Greaves says, and as we say every week, it is a funny old game. But uh, Chelsea... Uh, started the Tuchel area really with a uh, well with a nil-nil draw, but he hasn't really had much time to to put his influence on the team. But yeah. a fascinating character, Thomas Tuchel. I came across him when he was uh, Dortmund manager. Took over there from Jurgen Klopp, and I did a pre-season friendly up in Shanghai when they played Man United and beat them four-nil uh, uh, a few years ago with Thomas Tuchel in charge. And he was a really lovely fellow and. Uh, he pulled up the Chinese translator for translating his words wrong because he was speaking in German and then there was a German there was a German to Chinese translator and a Chinese to back to English translator and the Chinese to English and it was very funny in the middle of this press conference Thomas Tuchel just went no 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 that's not what I said. Shut up. <laughs> I'll do it in English. And he did it in English instead of well, just doing it in German. He could have done that in the first place, surely. Well, mainly German media there. I mean, he's doing okay. it in English basically for the benefit of me. I was the only English-speaking media there. But uh, it was really Should funny. Should have done it in Klingon for you. I, that would have and come I out middle man, with, Yeah, I thanked him afterwards for doing it in English. English and he said, no problem, my friend. I could see you. I could see you were struggling with what they were saying, <laughs> and I was too, because it was nothing what I, like what I'd said. So, um, you know, it was the old child 
Chinese whispers literally that day. So got a lot of time for Thomas Tuchel. He's a nice guy, but he is a bit of a character, and I think he'll bring something to Chelsea. But okay. whether he's got enough time to turn it around this season, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so they're, uh, they're well, who have they got? They're they're home to Burnley on uh, on on Sunday, and uh, you know, like I say, Sunday as well. Liverpool go to West Ham and Tottenham try to pick up the pieces at Brighton, and. Uh, Big match tomorrow to look out for, I think. Man United, after that shock defeat, go to Arsenal. And Arsenal on a little mm. bit of a little bit of a run themselves have picked up uh, picked up a bit of form. Got rid of a bit of excess baggage this week in Meza Ozil. Got finally got him off to Turkey. One bit of business done in the transfer window. So things are sitting down there, and they'll probably get their captain back, Abamyang, uh, Pierre Bamiang, who's had uh, a bit of family trouble. His mother's been ill, so he's okay. missed a couple of games, but. He should be back this weekend. We've got about five more minutes together. Sports and all with Danny, as we do at this time every Friday. So love to hear from you. Morning Brew Facebook page. Um, well, do you want to talk about the Olympics a little bit? You've got some time. Yeah, we mentioned it last week, didn't we, that there's all this doubt over the Olympics, coronavirus and everything else. Japan under lockdown at the moment. No foreigners allowed into Japan or no foreign non-residents, shall I say, allowed into Japan at the moment. And... Uh, some reports last week that the Japanese government have accepted the fact that it will be cancelled, this, that and the other. The Japanese government have come out very, very strongly, it must be said, and denied those and said, no, it's full steam ahead. The Games will be held come what way. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, uh, two nights ago had its first meeting of the year. The executive committee of the, the International the Executive Board of the International Olympic Committee, after which Thomas Bach, the, uh, uh, the, the president of the International Olympic Committee, uh, held a press conference and said, you know, the as far as they're concerned, they're in the business of staging Olympic Games, not cancelling Olympic sure. Games, was very upbeat. But, but, and there's a big but in there, he conceded for the first time, really, that the Olympics may have to go ahead without fans um, if the situation doesn't improve drastically. Um, meanwhile, in Japan, public opinion is swinging vehemently against the Olympics, it seems. Every survey seems to get worse and worse. Now we're told that the latest survey, 80% of Japanese people don't want the Olympics. Obvious reasons or something else? I think it's a combination of, you know, uh, they, don't want, they don't want thousands, tens of thousands of foreigners possibly bringing in coronavirus, quite understandably. They're fed up with the whole saga and the ongoing increasing budget and costs that the delay has, has meant. I mean, mm. we're talking about two, three, two, three uh, billion dollars extra on the budget i mean it's quite phenomenal they are now set to be the, the the most expensive summer olympics ever held um second only to the sochi winter olympics mm -hmm. in terms of cost uh and in these these days of you know basically covid caused austerity lack of growth in the economy this that and the other people don't want that sort of money spent so um it, it's a difficult one, and uh, and I think a lot of eyes are turning now to the to Australia at the moment because the Australian Open tennis is due to start in just over a week's time, and players have been in quarantine there. Over a thousand players, staff, entourage, and it's almost like a mini test case for how you might hold the Olympics. Can you put people into quarantine for two weeks? Can you put a vast number of people? I wonder how much it adds to their total bill because all those hotel bills are yeah. going to really add up, aren't they? Absolutely. Somebody's got, someone's got to foot the bill for it. And in this case, it's Tennis Australia and the sponsors. And it's, you know, you're talking millions, tens of millions of dollars to put these players up in, mm. in hotel accommodation, 
for two weeks. Now, they've, they've emerged, started emerging from quarantine last night. Some are happy, some are not happy. Some have been let out, some haven't yet. Uh, one, of one, one of the players who has been let out is Novak Djokovic. He's due to play an exhibition in Adelaide today to kick off the kind of summer of tennis in Australia. And he's come out of his hotel this morning, walked around the park and pulled out of his match against Yannick Sinner in Adelaide. That's news hot off the press. That's happened in the last few minutes, uh, complaining he's got bad blisters on his feet. Well, I don't know what he's been doing in his hotel room during quarantine, but uh, surely he could have got a bit of uh, a bit of Vaseline or something to rub into them and uh, soften up his blisters. I don't know. On his um, feet, did you say? Novak, on his feet, yeah, okay. bad blisters. Maybe it's a product of the fact that they just haven't had any tennis. And you get on hard courts in the heat in Australia, mm. it's, very, it's very hard on the feet. And, 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 you know, it takes a while for your feet to toughen up uh, again. So... Uh, Djokovic out of his match, but we should see later on today Serena Williams playing Naomi Osaka there, Ash Barty against Simona Halep and Rafael Nadal against Dominic Thiem to kind of kick off. It's an exhibition one-day event in Adelaide to kick off the summer sport and then it really gets going from Sunday when we've got three ATP men's tournaments in all in Melbourne, three women's tournaments all in Melbourne from Sunday, including the ATP Cup next week and then... From Monday week, it's the Australian Open itself, which I am normally at. I'm gutted not to be in Australia, obvious, for obvious reasons. Mm. And it's going to be a bit weird because we're going to be having to cover it via remote. I've got access to everything from here, Zoom conferences, all the rest of it. But we're going to, for AFP, we're going to be covering it with two people here in Hong Kong and two people at the tournament. We normally have three at the tournament. So I've no idea how that's going to work. It's going to be very strange covering a Grand Slam tennis event from thousands of miles away. But these are the times we live in at the moment for sport. We, fingers crossed, we hope it all goes off well. We hope there are no more COVID cases. We hope there are no more sort of, you know, they're, they're talking about having 50% crowds there. I hope so, and there's no super spreader. You know, they had a tough time of it in Melbourne. There's a lot of consternation, as you know, Phil, about this tennis going on in Melbourne at all with, with all the lockdowns they've had to endure and all the rest of it, the potential for bringing in COVID with these players coming in from all around the world. They've done the best they can. Fingers crossed it all goes off well because that might then have a knock-on effect and say, well, maybe we can do the Olympics. Maybe we can uh, succeed at that. So big summer of tennis coming up. All sorts to talk about next week. Tennis, Super Bowl weekend next weekend. Six Nations rugby starting next weekend. We're going to have a bumper show next Friday. We'll tell you all about it then. Nice one. Danny Hicks, as always, right here on The Morning Brew.